Pete Kingman here with Bible Story Evangelism. Today we're going to take a look at Psalms 1, which has six verses in it. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I chose to memorize Psalm 1 because uh, a family heirloom that was passed down in my memory to my father from his mother back in the 60s and now has come to me from my mother in the 90s is a uh, Psalm of David book written by I. Watts. Doctor of Divinity, and it quotes Luke 24:44, quoting Jesus, All I bring must be fulfilled, which was written in the Psalms concerning me. And that's a paraphrase of Psalm uh, Luke 24, verse 44. But in, if you read the text, uh, Luke 24:44, in your Bible, it will also say the things that were written by Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. And they were. And remember on the road to Emmaus, uh, when Jesus ran into two disciples that had left Jerusalem the day of the crucifixion, or I guess it was the third day, because Christ was, it was, if Jesus was crucified on a Friday, they, let, they were leaving on a Sunday. And Jesus walked with them on the road to Emmaus. And he said, why are you so sad? And they said, because are you a stranger to Jerusalem? You don't know what's happened? We thought that this man named Jesus was the Christ, was, was it. And he was crucified three days ago, and he was to rise from the dead on the third day. And they had pretty much given up hope. And Jesus proceeded to reveal from the Old Testament, which at that time was all the believers had, was um, all about him in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And when they reached Emmaus, Jesus kept walking. And they protested and said, please stop and eat with us tonight. And when Jesus was breaking the bread, they recognized who he was. Now, these were not of the 12 disciples, but he had 
probably 150 pretty devout followers that had seen him break bread and give thanks. Anyway, he, he, uh, he broke the bread and they recognized him. And uh, he vanished from their presence. Resurrected body, he could do that kind of thing. But they took off and went back to Jerusalem that night and told the disciples what they had seen. And this was the first day of the week, Sunday. Uh, there were a lot of rumors. Mary Magdalene was coming back and telling that she'd run into Christ. And Peter and John ran to the grave and saw an angel. And Christ's body was not there. The tomb was empty. And things were happening and they were happening quickly. But the Old Testament, the prophets, what Moses wrote, and the Psalms, the poetic books, are pretty much, you know, that is the Old Testament. And they're full of references to Christ. And um, anyway, uh, Psalm 1. Uh, in this book that my family has uh, with the publication date by Patton and Webster in uh, 1780, uh, what they did was they took the Psalms of David and they rewrote them. And um, if you'll pardon my reading, which I have trouble with, but the, the, F's, the S's are F's in this edition, and uh, there's other differences in the spelling. But um, let me uh, read the first psalm to you here. What they were doing is they were just playing with it, and they rewrote it three different times. I'm not going to read it three times, but I'm going to read one of the versions of the first psalm that was just a paraphrase, poetic, if you will, and... Uh, blessed is the man who shuns the place where sinners love to meet, who fears to tread the wicked ways and hates the scoffer's feet. But in the statutes of the Lord has placed his chief, chief delight. By day he reads or hears the word and meditates by night. He like a plant of generous kind by living water fed, safe from the storms and baffling winds, enjoys a peaceful state. Green as the leaf of the everfair, shall his procession shine. Not to the impetuous and unjust what vain designs they form, their hopes are blown away like dust or chaff before the storm. Sinners in judgment shall act, shall not stand amongst the sons of grace. When Christ the judge at his right hand appoints his saints a place. His eyes behold the path they tread. Their heart approves it well. But crooked ways of sinners lead down to the gates of hell. 1780, uh, I guess we'll cut them some slack. But it's got two more uh, poems, if you will, 
of Psalms. They kind of rhyme. I'm sorry I'm such a poor reader. I'll blame my uh, profound dyslexia for that. But anyway, I hope you got some of it. And uh, I'll do much better with Psalm 1 because I've got it memorized. And that's what I'm doing on these podcasts is going over my verses that I've worked on for 464 days. Uh, at any rate, I'm in my, I know I'm in my 67th week. The app keeps track of it. It's called Versus App. I think I've mentioned it on every podcast so far. But uh, now I'll read it in the King James here, and, uh, and you'll see the similarities. The first three verses are about the believer, and the second three verses, or four through six, are about the unbeliever. And that is all the difference. James 2.10 says, Whosoever, I'm sorry, James 2.10 says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. If that doesn't get your attention, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. That should, they say that if you're going to lead someone to Christ, you've got to get them lost first. If that verse doesn't get you lost, James 2.10, Whosoever, shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Another whosoever verse is John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. I like to say that God had me at whosoever 48 years ago. I repented from my dead works. Hebrews 6.1 And I went to faith toward God. The faith of the God of John 3.16. And there probably won't be a podcast that I don't mention that. But at any rate, none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, I'll have to let you look that one up because the address escapes me. Acts 20.24. But none of these things move me. It was when the Ephesian elders were trying to talk Paul into not going to Jerusalem because they knew he would not live long after that. And he went to Rome. He was thrown in prison. He appealed to Caesar. He went to Rome where he was martyred. And at the end of the book of Acts, it says some believed the Apostle Paul in the last chapter and some did not. And my question to you is, which category are you in? Are you a believer in the gospel of the grace of God or not? At any rate, the first three verses of Psalm 1 apply to uh, the believer and God's care for him. And, and the 4, 5, and 6 deal with the unbeliever. So, you know, I'm sorry, but... You know, I feel like people say, well, God should love everyone. He does. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But my friends, we're created in the image of God. And with that comes accountability. And you say, what about the person that's never heard? Well, I'd like to meet the one that doesn't know that it's 2020. But at any rate, God is going to reveal himself to everyone. And he's going to be fair. As Job said, will not the creator of all the universe do right? 
Yes, he will. And there's a promise in the Bible. If you seek, you shall find. And there were missionaries that killed the five. There were missionaries that were killed by five uh, Alca Indians in Ecuador in 1956. And one of them was a pilot named Nate Saint. And his son was baptized by the leader of the five Alca Indians that killed his father. If that's not a story of forgiveness. They thought they had made friends with these Indians by dropping them machetes and things like that out of the plains. They had hundreds of contacts with these Alka Indians, but the Indians uh, did not think kindly of them. They thought they were cannibals and would kill them and eat them. And so when they made first contact, they were killed by five Alka Indians who became believers. It's an incredible story, a modern story of, of incredible forgiveness. And Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth Elliott, took her daughter with Nate Saint's sister, Rachel Saint, and lived with the five killers and their families. Found them and lived with them shortly after, before they were believers. But because of the forgiveness of these women, because of the power of God's word, these men became believers. And um, you, you, you can question whether that's true or not. Um, study it for yourself and uh, read through Gates of Splendor and uh, the book by Elizabeth Elliot. And uh, it was amazing. My, my wife, my late wife, Barbara, went to Bible college with one of the, the Diuma was an important uh, part of the Alcas story. She escaped the Alcas and helped the five missionaries with their Alca language, even though she had escaped it many years before and, and wasn't as clear on the vocabulary as, as uh, maybe she should have been. But at any rate, her son came and was a Bible college, at Flor Bible college student at Florida Bible College. Uh, according to my wife, he was still a pretty wild guy. But um, at any rate, um, it, it, there are great stories of forgiveness, and that's one of them. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, this is not works for salvation. The way of the righteous says, For God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our sins are paid for by Jesus Christ. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. You've got to repent of your dead works. Now you say, well, what about, you know, faith without works is dead. It's the same word, uh, dead. It's like uh, when uh, Sarah's womb was called dead. She couldn't have any children. And then she did have Isaac, but it, it came back alive. But um, it was unfruitful. And if, 
the problem in James chapter 2 is verse chapter 2 verse 12. And that's where can faith save him comes after that. All the controversy comes after that. The rhetorical question, can faith save him? You're right, it's no. Faith cannot save him. From what? From the judgment seat of Christ, from the Bema seat, from the marriage feast of the Lamb. They're all the same. That occurred during when the church is raptured out and in heaven for those seven years, that's when the, the, the Bema seat is. The judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul says in Corinthians. And... Uh, talks about it in Romans, and I think it's in Romans eight. Uh, at any rate, um, we've got to repent of our dead works and put our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer and listening to that, that makes perfect sense. That makes it that you know that's exactly what you did. You were presented with the gospel. You believed in the amazing grace of God. You believed in John 3.16 that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And probably someone talked to you about the word grace meaning gift. And salvation is a gift. It's not a reward. There are, there are rewards in heaven. That's for another time. But there are gifts. Blessed or happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Choose your friends wisely. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Choose your friends wisely. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Choose your friends wisely as a believer. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. I found the best way to meditate on God's word is to memorize it. You carry it with you. And just the memorization process, you have to deal with each word over and over again. And, and there, there's learning that takes place. And just from a physical standpoint, I think I'm sharper because of the hour I spend uh, zero dark 30, depending on when I go to bed, uh, going over these verses. Now, I get credit if I spend five minutes on it, but it is a rare day that I haven't, I, I would say it's less than five of the hundred and over 150 times I've done it. I don't really remember that word. I don't see it every time I open up the app, but I, I, I see it occasionally. Well, it always tells me how many days I've done it, but sometimes I notice it and sometimes I don't. But anyway, um, Verses app, highly recommend it. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. The, the Hank Lindstrom, the president of my Bible college, who we called Hank, go figure, but great evangelist. And he said the fruit of a Christian is a Christian. You got the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy. That's, that's if we live, if we yield to the Holy Spirit, we can have those things in our lives. They're great things. But the fruit of a Christian is another believer. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That's, that's fruit. And we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and, but is, he shall, and in, and verse 3, And shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he sheweth shall prosper. <clears throat> the ungodly are not so. Now this could be the un ungodly believer, but uh, the writer of uh, in 1780 uh, you know, uh, talks about them in hell, and they get that word here, I think, from the word perish. So I think this would be the unbeliever. But there's none righteous, no, not one. So we're all ungodly. That's step one. I told you we got to get you lost before we can get you saved. And, and James 2.10, right before 2.12, 
It says, speak and do as those that shall be judged by the law of liberty. What James in chapter 2 is talking about is the judgment seat of Christ. Not, and, and they're all believers. All believers are there. He says, my brother, my brother, my brother. He's not talking to lost people. That's the first epistle written to the church. Written 10 years before Paul wrote anything. He's not trying to go against Paul. Paul hadn't written anything yet. And all he's saying is, get to work, get to work, get to work. At any rate, uh, this podcast is going to go a little longer than my other ones. But I'm new at this, and it'll just be what it is. Um, if you're listening to it on a long trip, you're all set. But um, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. They don't amount to much. You know, separating the wheat from the chaff. In, in my classroom, I always talked about we don't do a lot of separating in wheat and chaff anymore. That's done you know, practically by the combine that, that brings in the wheat. I don't know if they separate it from the chaff or not. But at any rate, uh, I think they do. I think it blows out the side. So we've got a machine that does it all now. Used to have to sickle it and thrash it and then, and then throw it up in the air and let the wind take the chaff away. But to, to explain it to kids in my Bible classes over the years was to say, you know, you go to the ball game and you get peanuts. I've never seen anybody, you know, somebody might use the four-second rule on a peanut if it hits the ground. Sorry. Depending on how hungry you are or how old you are. But anyway, or how young you are. But anyway, you, um, but that little brown stuff that blows away with the wind, that's the chaff, the shell. It's not poisonous. You can eat it. If you eat it, great. If you don't eat it, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. But it's pretty much useless. A pound of chaff would, would be a very, very big bag. Let me put it that way. Uh, much bigger than a pound of cotton. Chaff is just pretty much useless. Anyway, separating the wheat from the chaff. The ungodly but, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. There will be a separation from believers and unbelievers. It's called uh, the judgment of the nations at the end of the tribulation. And then at the end of the millennium, it's called the great white throne. And I'm sorry. But I, I love God because He loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever. Uh, my God loves everyone. He's, he's not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. To reconsider. That's what I'm trying to get you to do, is to reconsider. If you don't know Christ, I'm trying to get you to reconsider. If you do know Christ, do know Christ I'm just trying to encourage you with God's Word. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I'm sorry, they are separated. The, the sheep and the goats at the judgment of the nations. The goats are unbelievers. The sheep are believers. They're not defined by what they did. They are, well, they kind of are, but, they, but they're not saved by what they did. They're saved by their faith. They did what they did because they were believers. They started out the millennium. Everybody's lost. And then there's some people that become Christ that day when all the church is gone. Bodily caught up, it says. And that's going to be a very evangelistic day. And some are going to believe and some aren't going to believe. Some of you are going to believe and some of you are not going to believe. They did it in Paul's day. They will do it at the end of the tribulation and the judgment of the nations when, when the 144,000 have been calling from heaven for... Uh, retribution on those on the earth that slaughtered them because they were sealed by God in the forehead with, with a seal. The, the mark of the beast is a copy of that. And they, they prayed the Lord's Prayer. 
teach us to pray, He's teaching the 144,000 to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's not being hallowed by too much by the Antichrist. The Holy Spirit was taken out at the rapture. When he that letteth is removed, let means hinder. At any rate, um, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. They're praying for the kingdom to come. I'm praying for opportunities to share Christ with other people. That's what I'm praying for. As Paul said, for doors of utterance. You didn't hear Paul talking about, you know, pray for the kingdom of God to come. Jesus did because his focus was on Israel. And the tribulation is the 70th week of Daniel. The church is taken out at the beginning. It's back on Jewish ground. But it's still saved by faith. By, it goes all the way back to the garden. By, by faith, Cain... By, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Look it up in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. It wasn't because his was a meat offering and Cain was a... Was a it was a, 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 a wave offering or a grain offering. Those were offerings also. But it was the faith that made the difference. That represented Christ to, to Abel. And Cain's sacrifice represented... I don't know, his personal works, his goodness. The most holy day of the Jewish holiday, Yom Kippur. They, t they take two goats, and one is a burnt offering, and one is tied up in the wilderness, out in the desert, maybe across the Jordan. But it's, it's take, taken out into the wilderness in the Bible, in, in that part of the world, is desert. And it, it, it dies there. It's called the scapegoat. And there's one thing you must do on the judgment, on, on the Day of Atonement. And it's true today as it was 2,000 years ago or since the Passover started with Moses and the Exodus. The thing you must do on the Day of Atonement is absolutely nothing. And I think that's true about salvation. You cannot work your way, you cannot merit eternal life. It's like trying to buy a Corvette with a jar of peanut butter. It just isn't going to work. And it's worse than that. It's trying to buy a Corvette with a, a used tissue. I'll take it easy on you. It's just, it's filthy rags. Your righteousness is just filthy rags. You've got to repent of your dead works. They'll never save you. And your faith will never save you from the judgment seat of Christ. If you're just going to trust the Lord and not do anything, you're going to suffer loss of reward. But if you build on the foundation of Christ gold, silver, and precious stones, you will receive a reward. If all you have in Corinthians is wood, hay, and stubble, you will suffer loss, but you will still be saved because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And remember, James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. So we're all guilty and we're all guilty of all. And what the rewards are in heaven, I don't know, this person judges ten cities. I could pass on that. I'm not running for mayor. I don't want to be, you know, we're supposed to pray for those that are in authority. they got a lot of responsibility. And it's easy to, to not want to do that. I understand. I'm just human like you. But we should pray for those in authority that we might live leave live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Uh, 
First or Second Timothy. I forgot the address of that verse. You can look it up. At any rate, um, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. That's those that have trusted in Jesus Christ. For God hath made him to be sin for us, Jesus Christ, to be, who knew no sin. He was the righteous one. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He takes away our sins. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. Another verse in Psalms. You know, if you fly an airplane north and south, my dad was a pilot in World War II, my brother was a pilot in Vietnam. If you fly an airplane north and south, when you get to the North Pole, you start flying south. But if you fly east around the equator, you will never fly west. The Bible is a very accurate book. It's not just a bunch of words. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Well, again, you either repent of your dead works for salvation and go to faith in God as Abraham did. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. James says, God hath where Moses says, Abraham has whereof to glory, but not before God. James says that. I think it's chapter 2, right before he gets to the, to the um, can faith save him verse. And, and the, answer, the rhetorical answer is no. It cannot save you from the judgment seat of Christ. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Talking to believers. For reward in heaven. The great white throne, the, the, the judgment of the nations, punishment in hell. Sorry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. I have everlasting life. The end of the 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness, David wrote, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew he had eternal life. Wouldn't you want to have know you have eternal life? I did. And I hated God in 1972. I hated Him with all my heart. Because six months before I became a believer, I lost my brother in Vietnam. And I saw my parents crushed by the loss of their firstborn. And I hated God for that. But that night I saw, no, God loves the world. He loves everyone in the world. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish but everlasting life. If you don't believe, you're going to come up with some verse or some reason not to do it. But you do not understand the, the gospel of the grace of God from Genesis to Revelation. All right. Well, uh, I think I've read this twice now or three times. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. He knows... I, I know my sheep and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When you trust Christ it's like this you grab a hold of him he grabs a hold of you you might let go of him he'll never let go of you. Uh, I feel like I almost want to apologize for going too long but I don't. I, I, I pray. I pray none of these things move me neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God.
And this one, this podcast is my fourth podcast has been a little stronger on the evangelism. But uh, I will say to you, adios, which in Spanish means to God. Or I can say vaya con Dios, which means go with God. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will go with God. If you're already a believer, you come and go with God for eternity. You have the Holy Spirit. He'll never leave you. He'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. God bless. Now I've got to find the off button, which if I embarrass myself here, maybe I will...